Yay, everybody can hear me just doing super smooth audio transition because you'll be able to hear our guests too. Yay, that's done. And now I'm just going to turn off the waiting music. Yay, extra yay. Okay, now we are live. Hello and welcome to episode, I think it's 14 of Laughing Into the Void. I'm your host, Tom, and co-hosting with me as always is the lovely, wow, lovely, the lovely Rosalind Paris. Um, Hi. You can watch our previous broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube, Facebook channels, and or listen to them on most podcast platforms. Um, if you enjoy the stream, please consider making a donation of any size at district-comedy.live. And if you want to keep up with us on social media, check out the link in the description. It has uh, links to all of our different social media platforms. Um, and I'll also say before we get started, I'm really excited if you want to make a unique type of donation, because that's basically what it would be. We have merch now! Yay! So you can get your own District Comedy Notebook. There's some t-shirts, some other... Uh, there's a face mask. Uh, you know, if you... If, if you want that kind of stuff. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Um, let's give it up for our awesome guest today. We have Rabia Kuhn! Woo! Um... Hello. Did Love I pronounce you. uh, your name right? It's a, it's Rabia, but that's okay. Yeah. Rabia. Rabia. Awesome. So Rabia is a uh, London-based comic with a day job in IT. In 2014, she set a goal to do stand-up once before she turned 40 and re-up on her original dream of becoming a writer. Five years later, with little time left, she made her debut and hasn't stopped performing. Often seen in San Diego on shows or at open mics, she has also performed at open mics in Portland, Austin, and Oakland. Rabia's passion for storytelling mixed with a dry delivery and a self-deprecation make her relatable... I said your name wrong again after I just okay. asked you. <laughs> make her relatable and entertaining to many different audiences. You can find out more about her by following on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Rabia Comedy and at more than work pod. Thank you so much for being with us today. That is the end of the sp spiel I forewarned you about. <laughs> so how are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of I'm course. Good. Yeah, doing doing well. I'm in, you know, like you said, in London, and um, it's late at night here, or <laughs> early morning, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. Yay! Good, you know, just had a, a cat fight just like two seconds before we went live. <laughs> so that's that's cool. Um, that seems to have sorted itself out. So. <laughs> Let nature take its course. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm also doing well. I actually found out um, they called it really like insanely early at like 3.30 p.m. today ish. Um, that they that we're closed tomorrow for snow. It has not started snowing yet. Uh, not I'm not a hundred percent confident it will snow. Um, but no take backs. <laughs> so no take backsies um, is I guess how it works. Um, but yeah, uh, why don't we get started jumping in? Uh, so our first like official question, other than how are you? Um, we ask every guest uh, we have on the show. And that is, uh, how would you describe your sense of humor to someone who has never seen you perform? I would say, yeah, it's just mostly um, dry and a little bit sarcastic and maybe a little bit um, requires a little bit of like thinking thought. <laughs> Not that I can speak very well now, but I think sometimes you don't catch it right away. 
and then you laugh later. And that's not good when you're on stage, but that can happen. Yeah. yeah, I'd say dry, and I'm just kind of, um, you know, just more like of a storyteller type of comic and situational, observational, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Is there a particular type of content that you go for? I would ask uh, if you wanted to, like, give us, like, a little sample from your material, but since it's in the storytelling style, I won't make you go into, like, a three-minute monologue or whatever. No, um... Yeah, I mean, well, so I just, I, it's a little, like I say in the bio, I mean, it's a little self-deprecating, so I'll, I'll often, like, make an observation about myself, like, about how clumsy I am, or about my name, which we talked a little bit about, but, like, my name's a little bit different, and so I, I have a brief one about that, but, yeah, there's different things like that, or online dating, or medical stuff, I mean, just things that kind of... I find funny, but I relate to somehow. So I, I make it a little bit about centered around me rather than, um, or like my family a little bit. Like my mom, my mom now just kind of goes, well, I know you're going to say something about that, you know? And she's a good sport about it. So. Aw. Which is um, good. I find, at least for myself personally, because I know that comedy is subjective, but I tend to be drawn more towards the comedians who are, it is more of a storytelling style, and maybe that's because of my background in theater that that's what I like. Um, but also, I just feel like there tends to be uh, an easier time with making that like genuine connection with the audience when you're like doing stuff that's personal to you rather than... Not that there's anything wrong with it, but like um, I know there's a lot of comedians who will always go for like what's happening in the news um which is another style and i appreciate it it's just not my favorite i love i love tell me about your family drama i want to hear it yeah <laughs> awesome yeah i think it's fun and it, it is relatable so yeah when you're when you're writing like what's your writing process like have you identified a story and then you add the jokes in or do you think about like jokes and then something just kind of fits in there yeah like it'll it'll vary. I mean, cause I'm, you know, I've been doing about two years now and I've written a lot. I mean, um, and I've got a few type fives and I've done 20 minutes and stuff and that were okay. And, um, I guess it depends. Like sometimes I'll be talking, I'll just be talking to someone and I'll say something and go, Oh, that actually, wait, let me write that down. Cause that's like really how I feel about it. Like the other day I just said, you know, who supports support animals? Like, <laughs> you know, so I don't have anywhere to go with it yet, right? Because I need to do something. I can't just stand up there and say that. Uh, but, yeah, and then I'll just start to think about, like, the types of support animals and why I don't have a pet and stuff like that. And I'll just kind of keep building it around it. Um, yeah, and so I, I'll usually – it's almost like I know people say when they write songs, like, they'll have, like, maybe a – they'll think of something, like a line, and then they'll build around it. I kind of tend to do that a little bit. Or I'll have something like – that bothers me and I'll just start writing about it, um, you yeah. know, and then just see what happens. But I haven't honed it exactly, but I'll just keep trying to make stories that lead to that punchline. Yeah. And that's yeah, interesting kinda... too, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're talking over each other again, damn it. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, it feels like um, that's another one of those things where I feel like it's a bit of a spectrum of the people in comedy and how they'll come at it and where they kind of need to hone in when it comes to 
writing their actual set is uh, either starting with a premise uh, like you kind of uh, referred to and then building upon it and crafting the joke around that um, versus others who will just have like a ton of stuff and then their challenge is like the economy of words and like, okay, how can I get rid of the fluff around it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to know where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because you start with this big thing and go back down and, and I'm verbose a little bit. So I've, I've learned to actually get to the point, even with work emails and stuff now, like, all right, what am I trying to say and get it down? But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, um, I'm kind of that way too. Like my, when I'm writing, my style is very like storytelling too. Mostly because that helps me remember my jokes because I have a hard time yeah. with that. <laughs> um, but, but like recently I wrote a, a set um, and it was kind of a challenge uh, because it was like a political fundraiser. So I had to be very, mm. very careful and it had to be PG-13. <laughs> and I was like, well, what is a PG-13 story I have that is objectively funny that I can also add with self-deprecating jokes about myself? And... I had just seen somebody's non-service dog take a poop in a home goods <laughs> during, during Christmas season. And I was like, that is comedy gold, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then I had like little like things I jotted down, like, I don't know, in the middle of the night, like after a few drinks would be like, I, I think this about this, you know? And like, sometimes I like kind of just work that stuff in and it's mm -hmm. like a good, I don't know. I like storytelling. I feel like it's a good, it creates a good framework for your jokes. Do you guys like come back? Like I'll sometimes have something in a notebook and six months later I'll see it and be like, <laughs> oh, now I'm ready to deal with that. Like I didn't know what to do with it. Do you ever do that? I don't know. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, and not to throw us completely off track, but you did uh, mention before we started streaming that you might have a uh, friend watching. Any chance their yeah. name is Rob? Yes. Okay, that's, great. That's so I'm still Rob's trying to... the one who designed my background, too. He's oh, amazing. That's actually, Aww. yeah, that's a killer background. Uh, but Thank yeah, um, he just wanted to say you are the next Tony Shalhoub. So <laughs> there oh, you go. Yeah, up on this, this monk, the monk, the, the reboot train. <laughs> so I am... I'm also still navigating, like, when to incorporate the chat as it comes up. But thank you, Rob. Um, please continue to comment as you like. I'll try and incorporate it as I can. Um, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, fine. He says hi. Great. Um, moving on. Um, uh, next, uh, kind of going more into, like, the storytelling uh, stuff. Um, how do you kind of differentiate between... Uh, what is considered uh, traditionally stand-up, um, mm -hmm. as I guess is known by the majority of the population, versus comedic storytelling? And mm -hmm. where do you think uh, your humor lies on that spectrum, if you had to pick if it leaned more one way or the other? Well, I think part of it's just, I guess for me, if I thought about how I put a set together in a way and just that there's always a through line. So I won't talk about something for seven minutes, for example, I'll talk about it for like three and it'll lead to something else and something else would have gotten me there. And so, um, I mean, I think if, 
if I think about how it's written, there's always a, a structure of like a setup and a punchline and then maybe tags. And if I would look at myself telling a full story, it wouldn't be that setup, right? It'd have more like of a, you know, something happening in the middle. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen that book, Save the Cat, but the idea is that you always have to have like, save the cat. You always have to have something to save or some, some thing, some high point in the story that, you know, the point of the story. And so I guess I would say that though I think it's a narrative style of joke, because it's telling a story. It's not a story in the sense of like having multiple character, or you could only have one character, but just in the sense of like, it's not, I'm not becoming a hero or there's no redemption. There's no like actual storyline. It's just like, I, oh, I'm clumsy. This illustrates these three jokes and like illustrate that I'm clumsy or something, or, you know, my name is like, I, you got, my name's crazy. And then there's a there's a little story about it and a punchline and it's just kind of like I think it's just maybe just how it's set up, you know, where you I don't think in a comedy story like the end would be a punchline necessarily. You just have different funny things throughout it. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I would see it. No, yeah. I think I see that. I think like it's so... you're right. We do no, keep we talking do over to each, each other. other all the time. It's we're the worst about it. It's because no we're so synced up. Hard. But last time you let me go first, so this time it's yours, Ross. Oh, I'm just gonna say it's kind of like a stream of thoughts that's like connected together. It's like we talk about no redemption. Like we're comedians. We're never gonna be redeemed people. Like we'll we'll just get that <laughs> one out of the way. <laughs> Um, there is no Johnny Cash turnaround story <laughs> for these three people on screen right now. But but no, it's, it's kind of like, like a, I don't know, I feel like a story doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, A to B. Like, you can skip around with jokes about yourself or jokes about something, and it still kind of lines up together. It's like uh, Quentin Tarantino style, although I'm mm. sure he ripped that off from somebody else you start in the middle and you know <laughs> yeah now oh. i'm just babbling tom go ahead <laughs> no you're good i was uh yeah i don't know i i feel like i i hear what you're saying and even like the comedians who i feel like are the epitome of like stand-up humor and even comedians who have become really successful who identify themselves as like the like one-liner comedians like when I think of that, at least um, in recent memory, I think of comedians like Anthony Jeselnik, and even in mm -hmm. that context, his they're one-liners, but they still aim, at least to me, um, to have that kind of like thread that ties it all together. And I think especially when you start getting into like longer sets, um, that sort of thing is really important. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I don't, I guess for me, it's just like, it depends on, I mean, I don't see much of a difference. I mean, in a way, to be honest, I think it's just styles. So if your style is to tell one story that's super funny, I mean, I think the danger is the person who only has that one story. Yeah. And then that's all they have. And it's not like, and then that's it. And the same with a one-liner person, like if they only have like five or Harman that fills that time and they don't have anything else to say. I mean, at some point it, it catches you. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just don't even see, I think every, there's room for all the styles because people prefer different things. Some people aren't going to want to listen, you know, 
have a I have a story about choking on brisket. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and it's almost all true is the problem with that one. It was like just so stupid. But um, <laughs> you know, it takes like a couple minutes and it has some physical comedy in it and it's fine. But I would say it's a story, but I use it as a bit, you know? So I don't know if there's much for me, I don't I don't know if it matters. I just think there's room for different stuff and people who yeah, don't think that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like open your mind a little bit, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Although that about... <laughs> third out. time's the charm. It's your turn now. I should call on you guys. I know, right? Oh, me, me, me. Uh, no, I was just going to say um, that, uh, you know, it kind of relates to, um, again, talking a little bit before we started the stream. I think it was on Displaced Comedians recently. There was another, like, hot topic um, post uh, that was basically around the Netflix comedy special Nanette and main criticism yeah. being, like, it was built as stand-up when it's storytelling. And um, any thoughts as far as, I think, the main thing with that one, rather than it just being about, you know, stand-up versus storytelling, was also the idea that Basically, there's no room in a comedic act for emotions other than, like, ones that would incite laughter. Like, there's no space to kind of take a serious take on a topic. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I I have to rewatch Nana and I have to rewatch Douglas, right? Because I they, they were so powerful and there was so much in them. And I think Hannah Gadsby is just defining she you know she's in her own lane really and i think i there was some well even like even if you think about the recent election and kamala harris saying she's the first but she's not the last right and so yeah. she's going to define it and not to make it political but just that statement and so i think too with hannah gadsby um I think it's going to take time for her to be totally appreciated for what she did in that in the net. And I think there is room for it. I mean, um, one thing I want to do with my comedy is use it to, to help people. Um, just with, I, I have MS and that's a, that's an illness and it's like a part of my life. And so I don't talk, I have just started now like writing material about that had it for 20 years it's a big thing for me in a way but that it's not most of my life is not centered around it but i i'm gonna want she's she gave me room to do that in mm. a way right so i and that displaced comedians man I, I i know it was started out of a good place but there's been some some stuff in there that if it's on facebook it's anywhere on facebook people can just say these things that are to incite conversation that they probably know they can think of their intention i don't know who wrote that post but their intention was probably not to have like a positive discussion i mean more than likely and so i think there's room for it i think i think it'd be hard if for hannah gatsby to go and do a three minutes <laughs> and do something with it yeah. i mean that's really that'd be a really tough thing like she'd have to make a choice yeah on on am i gonna do the three minutes that's really heavy that m made people cry or am I going to do the three minutes that made people? I mean, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're doing your own show, yeah, you can you can do that. And I think, I think there's so much um, about mental health, like so much of comedy, 
involves people who have mental health issues or there's mental health awareness and it's so important and um so yeah i don't know i don't know i think there's room i think there i think it's great if people start to do stuff and not use it as a gimmick i mean i see some comics i think use things as a gimmick like and i'm like all right well that's a real serious issue so i hope you know you know what you're doing with that um so yeah i don't know i got a little emotional about that i guess but that i i really i don't like them i don't like that um idea that there's not room for other emotions besides laughter and comedy uh Marin gets really angry and it's not always funny sometimes i mean the guy is seriously upset about things sometimes but i love what he does you know yeah but it's a guy so he's not gonna get the same honestly I'm yeah honest, the same feedback yeah he's yeah. not right but yeah so no i i don't mind you getting emotional at all get as emotional as you want um while we're talking about stuff but um <laughs> no i um I hear that. I feel like um, also there's a little bit of like apprehension people have sometimes just when they see something and they're not sure what to do with it. Um, so maybe uh, like it seems like uh, has happened is that she's inspired you a little bit, at least in, uh, you know, writing about some things you wouldn't have written about otherwise with your material. Um, maybe that will inspire like more specials like this to come out and then we'll make the decision which I overall think is pretty arbitrary as whether or not like are we allowed to call this stand up to or do we call it its own thing in either case I think that you know it is cool in this digital age um, that like <laughs> there really is room for everybody's mm -hmm. like preferred content um right but yeah. i'm glad that you also mentioned a little something about like was this post to incite uh constructive conversation or something else yeah i mean i ask myself that a lot and i i'll try not to respond and i don't do a very good job and my friend <laughs> who's been on who's watching knows that because we we um both don't not don't like hold back from responding to things sometimes but yeah some of the posts i'm just like you're you're trying to get someone like me upset and i have to move on you know yeah kind of thing cool awesome what about you Roz? what's your hot take on nanette i actually haven't seen it oh well damn moving on <laughs> <laughs> wow so she's so opposed to it she didn't even watch it that's, that's like yeah good it sounds interesting, and maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, I will say that, like, I felt Douglas was more in the realm of, like, what people are used to as far mm -hmm. as, like, stand-up comedy. Um, but Nanette, I was just, like, blown away. That was, it It really was, and I think, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe there was also a little bit of a um, factor of, like, it was kind of to her benefit that I was going in um, expecting normal stand-up and then, uh, you yeah. know, having that, um, deep emotional element to her show was, like, really took me by surprise, and I was like, oh my god, now I'm on the edge yeah. of my seat, biting my fingers. Um, anyway, um, basically what I'm saying, you are the next Annette, and, uh, we're just gonna <laughs> go with that. Um. I think also with comedy, too, it's like, the context is so important too mm -hmm. i mean i think of times when like so tom and i were in an improv troupe together for eight years and we did all sorts of like 
corporate gigs and, you know, um, bar gigs and, and private gigs and all that kind of stuff. And comedy, like when it's framed in a situation, like if I'm sitting down and I'm expecting something to be ha ha funny, I'm probably going to be a little pissed if something yeah. like makes me think harder than I want to in that place of time. <laughs> and I just like with corporate shows, those were always very intimidating to go into. Cause if it's like a work conference, no one is there to have fun. Like no one is prepared to have a good time. You don't go through four meetings with PowerPoints expecting to giggle, you know? And like, by the time the entertainment comes on, you're just like, fuck this. I want to go to my hotel room and drink the mini bar and go to sleep early. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> and I think sometimes like doing that kind of edgier stuff or more innovative things that people aren't expecting, sometimes I feel like there's maybe a little bit of a learning curve that the audience has to get over because mm -hmm. they don't really know what to expect or it's not quite the context that they were expecting. Mm. yeah you know? that's fair yeah yeah that's a great point um that being said we're gonna move on to something that i think is a little bit lighter just because again in your bio you mentioned you have done comedy like all over the place um yeah san diego portland austin and oakland uh were the ones that we mentioned but uh what do you find are the main differences in those comedy scenes and i'm curious um also a, do you have a favorite? It's going to be like, I, I also do this all the time, unfortunately, for guests, where I say, I'm going to ask you a question, and then it's going to be like five questions within yeah, itself. Yeah. Uh, so grab your notebook, take some notes. Uh, no, just kidding. If only you had a district <laughs> comedy notebook to write things down. Oh, my God, plug. Oh, I feel so <laughs> I wish I did. dirty. I have a pen, guys, but <laughs> no. I don't have a notebook. You know where I can get one? Oh, oh no. Where can we get a notebook? District-comedy.live will send you a $1 notebook for like $16, and it won't get to you for three weeks. Wow, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I consider it, like, honestly, it's another way to donate. <laughs> um, is, is how I think of it. Anyway, sorry, so off topic. Um, but you've done comedy all over the place. Uh, which city's your favorite? And then also, because I read on the most recent post for your blog um, that part of one of the huge accomplishments, it sounds like, that you had in 2020 was the move to London. And I'm wondering yeah. if in that transition, you know, I feel like I'm so bogged down in what's going on in the U.S. I'm not even sure, like, are they doing comedy there right now? What's the scene there? And um, if there is a bit of a scene that you've been able to experience, uh, sure. how, how it compares uh, to those cities in the U.S. Sure. So, yeah, so, I mean, I started in San Diego at um, Comedy Palace was what I consider my home club there. And um, I did do the comedy store there once in La Jolla. So there's two comedy stores. Yeah. Well, there's one here, too, and stuff. But the ones, like, when you think of Mitzi Shore or whatever, she had the one in La Jolla. And then there's the one in L.A. So I did the La Jolla one. I got to do, like, three minutes, and I, I cried. I swept when I got outside because it was like, oh, my gosh, I did this, you know. And, um but so that was awesome i mean i i loved being there but i'd say just like comedy palace is where i was cutting my teeth the most um and then like yeah i performed elsewhere just because i started to just when i knew i was going on a trip i my friends who i'd visit 
um, in the different cities would just be cool. Like either they would say, oh, we'd like to see you perform, can you? Or I'd say, oh, is it cool if I got something? And so like Portland was actually really cool. Um, there was this one night, Blue Velvet, I think it was. And it was just fun. I mean, it was a, it was pretty cool. I did a couple nights. Oh, I lost my voice though. That was really messed up. I lost my voice when I was there and it, it was to the point where I did every, like I had to get spray, you know, it was like a, what would a Dell do moment? You know, <laughs> I had to get like spray. I had it. Then the one lady at the bar, um, she goes, I said, Oh, can I get tea? She goes here and she gave me whiskey. Like, should I threw something in there for you? you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, they were super nice there. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's just fun. I'm, what I noticed is, um, just the people, when they have you on, when you're in a different city, you know, it's a good time to just connect and, and be, you know, they're being friendly because they, they said, yeah, come and do our show. And so sometimes in your home city, it's a little bit of a hustle and there's clicks yeah. and whatever. You're not familiar with all that. So just assume everyone's nice and go in and have a good time and, and enjoy it. Um, differences. I mean, I think what I would try to do sometimes is be more regional. Like when I moved to London, I tried to change my jokes for England and I tried to like change the language and stuff. Cause I saw Ricky Gervais do a warm up show once in California. And he, and by the time I saw the real show like that, he did, he had changed everything. So I thought oh, I need to do that. Um, and then what I found out was just being myself and doing my material and then seeing what worked and then changing it or adjusting it was better than adjusting it, assuming all this stuff about the people. You know, so it was better just to be me. And it took me a little while to like, well, a month. I mean, because I moved here in January and by March we were locked down. So I didn't have much yeah. time. But I met a few cool people here um, already. And that just, yeah, we're really nice. And they still did online shows. And so I'm we're not doing anything now. We're, we're in lockdown. We've been since, well, quite a while now, since before the holidays. And um, they they iteratively got like we went from being kind of open and having some live stuff to just like shut down and that's where we've been so mm. we're hearing like rumors are of may or something like that but um so i've just been doing online shows so most of the people i've met in europe or the uk are online but there's some really nice people but there's still those like things everywhere that whatever annoys you in a local scene probably would annoy you if you move to another local scene right and you just rise above it and find your people you know yeah like i, I imagine the clicks are probably everywhere to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Yeah. That's just kind of human nature, I think. <laughs> My friends, nobody else. <laughs> so, so I've been watching rewatching Fleabag recently and oh. I've decided <laughs> I've decided that knickers is like the best word for underwear. Like it it just sounds like what it is in a non-creepy capacity. So yeah. like are there any other words like <laughs> England that you've picked up on where you're like, I wish we could just replace that in America? Because if I go up to somebody and be like, can you point me to the knickers section? They'll be like, what now? <laughs> you know, they'll be like, the the, the what part of the store? And I'll be like, you know, knickers. And they're like, what is yeah. that? So it's, it's not going to happen for us. But like. No, I mean, so, and I said this, I think on a po my podcast, but like, pants right so they call underwear pants over here and i literally this was before i moved here but i went into a store it was like marks and spencer or something i or john lewis i think it was some store some like um you know department store and i asked 
I said, oh, I need some great pants. And she looked, the lady looked at me like, you know, why are you wearing great? Like, why do you want gray underwear? <laughs> and, um, and so I was just like, I don't, you know, and it was just so awkward. And, um, and then it was trousers. So I would mm. not, I just think like, I like to just, knickers is good. I don't, yeah, cause I don't like the word panties. I don't know. I just, it doesn't. That's, that, that's immediately, I think, <laughs> like, yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not my vibe just to even say that. So I just say underwear and um, knickers would be fine. But otherwise, like I like how they call the elevator the lift. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. I live in a flat. I'm fine with, I think that's, I don't mind that versus apartment. I don't know why it's called that. Someone asked me recently. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I didn't do what they should have done, which was just look it up instead of asking me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, they, one thing that gets me, that makes me laugh is like, if they're super tired, they'll say they're shattered. And I'm like, you guys are so drama about being tired <laughs> about your emotions otherwise, right? Well, I'm shattered. I'm like, why? What's wrong? And that just means they're tired. Yeah. Or like when they're disappointed, they're like, I'm gutted. It's like, yeah, come on, calm down now. We missed the movie. It makes like, me think of me? that um that TikTok where it's like a pane of glass falls on the floor and it's still together and then they drop like i think it's like a screwdriver or something on it and then it shatters into a million pieces um like yep that's uh that's me shattered <laughs> i like that too yeah. oh right now what's a relevant one is instead of like a covid shot or vaccine they say the the jab, the jab. Ooh. that's so much more fun that's like kind of <laughs> edgy and young and sexy like yeah do you want yeah. the jab like I feel like maybe we would reach more of an audience of stupid people if we like rebranded it to the <laughs> yeah. jab in in the United States. Like they'd be like, "Oh, that sounds hip." I want to. I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> no, that's fine. I was just thinking they're gonna start like an open mic, premature of everything officially opening called like the Jab Gab, where it's only comedians who have been vaccinated get to perform, or something along those lines. <laughs> Um, yeah, show your COVID card, but yeah, so yeah. jab I like. I think that's cool. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> nice. Um, and also, I, I'm gonna at least uh, not to try and get you canceled, but go with uh, probably San Diego for your favorite locale so far, just because mm-hmm. that was probably your home base. That's yeah. a fair answer. Yeah. Um, although I've heard great things about Portland too from other people, so yeah. seems like one day idea. I need to like take time and like I, I got a tour. Um, so after Toronto, I need to figure out what my plan's going to be. Um, we gotta go to Toronto and bring Desiree some more Uncrustables. She got some. It's going to be a minute before she gets more. It was hard shipping those. I'm not going to lie. She's lucky that they got there at all. (laughs) Those ladies seem cool up there. Like I see them on, I'm friends with them. Kelly. Kelly's awesome. She was on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard her episode, and she seems... Re- I mean, we're friends on Facebook, but she seems really cool. But, yeah, they seem like a very nice scene up in Toronto. That I don't know. They Which is weird, because every time they talk about Toronto, they talk about how, like, at least relative to Canadian standards, Toronto's, like, meaner. <laughs> but, like, Canadian mean is still really nice <laughs> yeah. compared to America. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but, yeah, um... So yeah, love those people. Glad we established that. Um, 
<laughs> it needs to be said at least once an episode. But no, it was like really hard shipping that stuff to her. It was just like I had an email from customs that was like I didn't put an invoice in it. It was like a whole lot of paperwork. So like no wonder they thought uh, by the time they got to her. But I want to go back to um, kind of I alluded to it in a previous question. Um, but the blog you posted on New Year's Eve, um... Yeah, that was a long... I realized what blog you were talking about because I hadn't written since then, I guess, but yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do another lovely weird thing that I do to guess, which is I'm gonna read your own words back to you as part of the asking the question. But in that post you wrote, January 2021 will be the beginning of change. I'm confident that if people can seek to understand and consider others when they act, 2021 will be the start of something better. I know it's only been about a month, um, but at least from your view overseas, um, mm. knowing that change can sometimes be slower than we would like, have you started to see that change that you allude to, some of that hope? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Well, I mean, over here it's hard because I... I really like just go to the store and maybe go on my bike if it's not cold right and so but i think yeah i mean i've i'll say personally i've made an effort to to change my reaction time to things like maybe uh i would be pretty pretty much like lose my temper in a way like just start just write stuff and not have regard for it you know like respond well i got so i got in trouble on facebook i um I got in jail for like three days. Sucks. I could even like promote my podcast, and I even tried to have my buddy be the admin for my page, thinking maybe we could get around it. But he couldn't become the admin while I was can't like while I was in jail. Mm. So that could be one thing. Like I just, but um, I think yeah, there's some. I mean, I think yeah, I think that you know, for me honestly, um, every day it was something with Trump, and I just I was fatigued and I couldn't take it. I mean, it was really wearing me out. So I think just the fact that I'm not constantly like upset is a difference. And I don't, I think a lot of people feel that now. I know there's other people now who are upset. And so I think that's, that's unfortunate. I think that, you know, nothing's going to be perfect, but I think that we're on the right track. And then I feel like with the vaccine getting distributed more stuff like that, but 2021 hasn't been much different. It wasn't like an instant change. I also started school this year three weeks ago and I'm taking a class on moral leadership. And so it's really made me rethink myself and how I communicate and what my values are and how I act. And it's, it's been kind of phenomenal just over three weeks, but I think too, yeah, I'm seeing change just from there. So um, maybe it's just within me. I was probably too grandiose thinking I was, other people would change. I know I, I feel like I'm starting to change, which is, mm -hmm. I guess where it starts. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the short answer would be, like, probably not. <laughs> well, I mean, you're honest. Um, and I think you even mentioned that in the post, or one of them, too. It's like, I'm going to be realistic. Um, but I... I thought they were refreshed the news and nothing new had happened in, like, three hours. <laughs> it was the most peaceful feeling. Your cat's too much for me right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I'm worried he's going to attack me in a second. For the people yeah. listening on the podcast, it was uh, just a lot of cat butt for a second, and now it's yeah, cute it cat face. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of want to go back to the moral leadership class that you're taking, because I'm really interested um, about not necessarily the content of that. I think, uh, I'm assuming the title's mm -hmm. a little self-explanatory, but 
Yeah. It seems like have there been any takeaways maybe from that class you think apply to comedy? Yeah, probably. I mean, so yeah, because it's that um, I started this. Um, it's a public leadership credential at Harvard Kennedy. It's like this grad certificate they do, and then a lot of they want people to go to the grad school, but that's a whole other financial thing that I won't be doing. But um, but yeah, I mean, no, it's I think, not worth it. well it's yeah it's too yeah it's crazy but anyway like i think like we just this last week did this whole thing this exercise on looking at what are our values like as a person like your own values and i feel like if yeah if people you know there's this whole conversation happening that's been happening around oh i don't want to get canceled oh i can't say like and i'm being a i mean i'm i would disagree with this i'm being like that way about it but like oh you can't say anything anymore if I say anything, it's like, you can say something, but it has to be funny. And like, if you're going to tell a rape joke, for example, and a woman is in the audience who was assaulted before, doesn't laugh. It's not on her, you know, yeah. at that point, it's on you. Or if you say something racist, whatever, and people don't laugh. So I think if people became aware of what their values were and they were truly living them, including in what they say and how they communicate. And I am careful about what I say actually in my comedy because I, I do think it's a reflection of me ultimately. Um, I think then, yeah, there'd be some people might talk about different things and people might find they're actually funny, but they're still able to kind of express these things that are important to them. And same with reacting. I mean, one thing it, the class has taught me is just that if you're going to create change, you need to step back and listen and learn the environment and learn the culture and learn all that and then go in and try to see what can change or what you can change. And I think a lot of times with the cancel culture, I think that that happens too. And I think that's such a buzzword now, but also people just react to something without getting the story. And I think some people experience like blowback that maybe if people just were listening to them truly and looking at them and their situation their culture and their background maybe they wouldn't react that way too um not to make excuses for some people but i don't know who i'm talking about but there's probably someone who didn't say something with the intention of the reaction it got right and then maybe we can listen to that person too and say okay you know we understand or you did grow up in this way or have this thing happen to you and that's why you said it so i don't know i'd say that's the things i've taken out of the class now, I don't always act that way. I mean, I still have I'm a bit of a hot Right, nobody's perfect. <laughs> but no, that's that's great. I love talking to you. Um, yeah, sorry, Roz, you looked like you were going to say something. No, but I was just thinking, you know, a lot of people complain about, like, cancel culture, like, not being able to say stuff. But it's, it's kind of, like, more how you react to being called out. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was Cardi B. To quote Cardi B. I think it was Cardi B, but she used a racist term for her baby's eyes uh, in one like Twitter post mm. that's like a slang for somebody with slanted eyes, mm. basically. That's like super offensive, and people called her out for it. And her response to that particular controversy was oh my god i didn't know that i grew up with people saying that i didn't realize that was a bad thing to say i'm not gonna say it again you know which is actually a pretty 
like if you're going to handle backlash, you know, to kind of accept that you made a mistake and learn mm -hmm. from it is, I imagine, tell me if I'm wrong, but according to class, that's kind of how you would want to respond to that. I would think so. I mean, I just, yeah, I think, well, one of my values is accountability. That's what I've identified for myself. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if you're accountable, like, and then it's up to the people, you know, then people have to handle the forgiveness themselves. I mean, you can't make someone forgive you and you can't change how they feel or whatever. I mean, you, you know, if I forgive someone, it's up to me and how I feel about them. And same with me, if I mess up and I say something, then if someone chooses not to forgive me, I, I can't live with the burden of their, you know, whatever feelings towards me. I have to continue. And so, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's how you should handle it. Like, and if, and she was probably sincere, like she probably grew up where she grew up in New York and I think anyway, right. And stuff. I mean, I don't know, you know, she just, that's what she thought was okay to say. And it wasn't. And yeah. There's definitely a lot of people that say that and I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with it. So I could definitely see that being like just something you, you grew up with, like thinking was normal. And then like, as an adult, you stop and you're like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that was bad. You know, yeah. I actually had a moment like that. So, um, I, I was reacting to something someone posted on Facebook of like a Bigfoot wearing heels and it just said, yes, girl. And I thought it was hilarious because, you know, my whole mindset, you know, I, I host a, a like sassy Bigfoot, but yeah. then someone was like, oh no, I found this in a sea of Confederate flag decals. I'm pretty sure this is something racist. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, gotta take a step back there, unpack mm -hmm. it. You know, like, you have to accept that, like, you're gonna fuck up. It's like, the important thing is how you react to fucking up. It's so just it like, it? yeah, now that, you, now that you mentioned it, I could see how this could be racist in some context. But was it racist? I mean, was it like, did you find out or something? Like, someone pointed out it could have racist connotations it wasn't like a hate symbol or anything right. but like it kind of sounds I, like in the context of the group it originated that was yeah the insignia yeah if, if it's a, if it's in a group full of like confederate flags i'm going to i'm going to assume the worst mm -hmm. until proven otherwise but that's true yeah but yeah so i mean like it's just about like listening to people when they say that kind of stuff and processing it and being okay with being able to say, yeah, I fucked up. And this is what mm -hmm. I'm going to do about it from now on. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like cancel culture isn't that hard to figure out, is it? <laughs> I, I mean, a little bit yes, a little bit no. I think it goes to what you were saying about, you know, it's the context. It's about, you know, the culture, the comedians coming from a little bit. And, uh, but I just want to say, I love what you were saying as far as like, accountability being a mm. value and you know your values being something that you can a reflect in your stand-up um because yeah you shouldn't i hear so many people that are like i wouldn't want so and so to hear my stand-up and it's mm -hmm. like no i like to even though like some of the stuff i say can be a little raunchy overall i stand by the jokes that i make um and i do try and let my comedy be at least a reflection of who I am at the time that I told the joke and try and mm -hmm. have accountability in that way. 
but also the idea of um, forgiving yourself for something even if the other people aren't willing to. Um, there's It kind of goes to... <laughs> Not a comedy-related thing, but maybe now I'm thinking it could be comedy-related, but, like, a management-slash-customer-service uh, question that I always try and ask when a situation is kind of, like, going haywire and you're not really sure what to do is asking the person, okay, I hear you, this is what I understand the problem to be, does that match what you're saying as far as like mm -hmm. the lead up steps and then the follow up being okay so at this point is there anything I can do to make it right and if the answer is yes and those things are reasonable then that's a direction to go towards like a constructive solution but if the answer is no it's like well all I can do is try and take this experience and learn from it and you know try and avoid making the same mistake in the future but at a certain point if there's nothing you're going to be able to do to, you know, salvage your relationship with that person mm -hmm. at that point, it's it's not going to do anybody good to keep putting effort into trying to fix it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Um, now I want to ask you, how's biking? Oh, man. This is actually I... on the list because you mentioned it in your blog a couple yeah. of times. So I wanted to ask about biking i know that you did some crazy miles in uh 2020 at least yeah, to me yeah. yeah it was crazy for me because i i have never been an athlete for sure and i i love riding a bike and i used to ride a bike to college and then when i lived in new york I, um in the city i would ride my bike to work which that's always like a that was a thing <laughs> uh riding your bike in new york city you know um and but uh yes yeah, so i bought a bicycle like in april and then there was a bicycle shortage so like i wanted to spend a certain amount and that was it and it was like on the like lower end of, a, of what bikes cost and um so i had my bike so i got oh this is you guys are like this so one thing they have in london they call it um like mambles or something Ma yeah so middle-aged men like in lycra mammals yeah middle-aged men in lycra <laughs> so it's like the the mammal mob. My one friend goes, "Oh, are you are you keeping up with the mammal mob?" And it was like the dudes who are just all lycra, you know, that are middle aged basically. And so, but yeah, I got my bike shorts and I just got on my bike every day. I rode for over a hundred days straight, and I'd never done something like that before because I, like I said, I I don't stick with like athletics too much. And now it's been a bit cold, so the coldest I've ridden in is like thirty four degrees, and that was pretty cold for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I got like the tights and I wear them under my shorts. I mean, I end up looking like a clown almost, but, um, <laughs> you know, and then I rode and it was pretty hot, but I, I would ride, you know, 30 miles sometimes, but it was cool because there was no traffic. So you just had London, the London streets. It was really nice for a while, wow. you know, but I, I rode quite a few places. Um, I rode to Greenwich, which is like where the prime meridian is, you know, like hmm. Greenwich meantime. And, um, yeah, I just rode all over. It was really fun. And I live near Regent's Park, which is where the London City Zoo is. And so it's cool because when it was totally shut down, like these giraffes would just be outside, like by the street. And <laughs> so I saw like my giraffes every day if I went at the right time, you know, that's awesome. so yeah. cool. But I just ride around Regent's mostly, but Hyde Park. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's so cool to ride around this city. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. So I haven't gotten the miles in this year. 
been very cold for me, and I've also been a bit lazy, to be honest, but I can't wait until, like, March. I'm just going to get back on and go. Uh, may I ask if the bike, now that you've had some time to attune to it, does it have a name? Ew, you know what? No. All right, I think Rob, listening no. to the show, since you are, I think, our only audience member, possibly <laughs> at least commenter so far, name that bike in the chat. Yeah, like... <laughs> that okay. doesn't mean you have to accept the name, but... Okay. This fun little game. Why not? Um, Francis after the villain from Pee Wee. I used to bike to work when I worked closer to home, and mm-hmm. I hated every second of it. Um, <laughs> I loved the money I was saving on my car, mm-hmm. and uh, theoretically what I was doing for the environment, even though, like, who knows what you know the people had to go through to mine the metals to make that bike. Um, but <laughs> overall... You know, um, I just, I was not a fan. My butt was always sore. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I'm glad you had a better experience with it. Especially, like, I feel like it's just for the first couple months. Like, theoretically, it's supposed to get better. Well, <laughs> yeah, and they have this, like, chafing butter, they call it, or whatever. Like, or like a, I don't know. <clears throat> it almost feels like a pomade to me. But, yeah, you find out, like, things that you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Gotta get it up in the creases. Yeah, you chafe. I mean, I'm not like a small, I'm, I don't have thigh gap, so, you know, I'm a keeper. yeah. So. I've always thought about biking around Baltimore, but the two biggest obstacles here are that everyone, like, essentially, all tra- our roads are so fucked up that all traffic laws are essentially suggestions. Mm-hmm. And we have we are broke as a city, so depending on what neighborhood you're in, if it's not the rich people neighborhood, there are potholes the size of like glaciers that you uh, will go through. Yeah. And everyone I know who bikes on a regular basis through Baltimore City has at least one story about <laughs> that time they got hit by a car. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not yeah. I, I hit a cab once, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hit them, so it wasn't their fault, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah. All right. Um, we don't have too much time left, unless you're comfortable with going a little bit over, which if not, that's totally okay. Um, I'm okay with whatever, yeah. Okay, cool. I only have two questions kind of left, but as you can tell, my questions can sometimes be a bit packed. But I want to ask about your uh podcast the remind me of the name i think i'm worried i butchered it initially i don't think you did um it's more than work the more than work podcast i want to know what inspired it if you have a favorite guest and um what's the biggest challenge you've encountered in uh producing your own podcast or your own uh stuff in general since you have the blog and the website too um if you've had any if you've had any challenges Yeah, no, for sure I do. Um, so More Than Work podcast, I mean, I podcasted probably 15 years ago before it was a really a thing where you made money with it. I would interview bands. Me and my friends would interview music acts and bands. I mean, it was just cool, and I, I really loved it. And then um, just didn't do anything for about 10 years, and I wanted to make a podcast, and I had time to think about it during lockdown time. And so, um, again, like just thinking back to purpose and stuff, the, the point of the podcast is to – hopefully inspire people to to 
find something outside of work, whether work is a career or whether work is like, you know, people who are staying at home, taking care of their families, whatever it is, and find something that, um, other than that, that defines them or helps define them. Because I, I think I spent so much time in my career. Uh, I've been in IT or operations for e-commerce mostly, and now it's just other consulting for you know 20 years and I got burnt out so many times because I was defined by my work and my value and my self-worth was all invested in work and that was because mm. I have a family I mean I have, I have family like my mom and sister and nephews but not a you know a partner like a husband or kids or whatever so um I was always defined by that and so like as a project manager for example if a project went badly or when I was a product manager if my website didn't launch properly I would be completely destroyed I thought I was a piece of shit and I would act, I wouldn't act nice to other people either. It was just bad. And, um, and then, you know, I just started to do other, I did the comedy. So I had to leave work. I had, you know, I had to, it was five o'clock. I had to go cause I had to get to the club. Mm-hmm. I had to be there. And, um, and then I do volunteering and stuff. And I think I just kind of wanted that idea that your self-worth and it says it's in my, whatever I say it on the site, I guess, but your self-worth is more than your job title or find a job that reflects your values. If, if you find one, like I've interviewed people who work for nonprofits and stuff and it's pretty cool, but even those people need stuff outside of that. Oh, yeah. And so I'm just interviewing all different people who do different jobs. Either they made a career change or while they're doing their career, they're doing another thing kind of like all of us are doing basically. Right. And, yeah. um, yeah. And so like a favorite guest, I mean, I'll, I had a bucket list sort of thing. Um, I, I, I've loved every episode for different reasons. Um, the one I'm really proud of still, I think, is um, there's an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. And I don't know if you're familiar, but it's uh, hmm. it's like a suicide prevention, um, yeah. self-harm prevention organization. And I had a lot of struggles. Um, well, you know, I, I certainly have, still have some of it, but I had really pretty bad like depression and stuff um, when I was in my 20s. And I found that organization. I got the shirt and it would, you know, I'd wear it and it just was like a, a symbol like, okay, these people are there to help. And so I, I tried to interview the CEO, the founder that didn't, I didn't get that one, but the lady at their PR firm, you know, what's your numbers? I said, I don't have any listeners. I mean, I just started this podcast and she said, I think I have someone for you. Just do you mind if it's not Jamie, the founder? I said, sure. And this guy, Chad Moses, came on, and he was he was just amazing. And the, the weird thing with that episode, I had the worst day that day. <laughs> like, the worst. And I didn't even want to do it. Like, I just didn't. I, I was like, I can't. I had to, because I had this interview. And it was the best conversation. But it was almost like a reflection of how that whole day had been. And Rob, who's listening, I mean, he's one of my best friends. So, like, he's we have this relationship where we joke a lot, but... I mean, he's the, one of the only people who always know when I'm just having one of those days. But um, it's just really cool that I got to interview that guy and I got to share that because I feel like the more people that listen to that, they'll either be more compassionate to people with mental health issues or they'll be more compassionate with themselves. And that's what I want. But I, I want I always want someone to walk away feeling inspired in some way, either to pick up the phone and call a friend if it's that kind of episode or to call an organization a volunteer or to go on stage and do comedy or whatever. So that's why I did the podcast. So I've got some cool guests. Oh, them, so. That's such a good yeah. answer. 
Uh, oh. I know, but I'm so long-winded. You can see, like... No, that's fine. I'm just, like, I'm getting a little teary because of, like, what you're saying is so inspiring, and then I'm also thinking about, like, what a shit person I am in no. comparison. You're talking about, like, the right level on her arms t-shirt, and I got my shitty little notebook. <laughs> That wasn't my t-shirt, that was a t-shirt I bought from them. No, no, yeah, from from them, yeah. Um, sorry, oh, yours as in you bought it. <laughs> I was just like, um, and I am a sarcastic person you're... with a notebook. <laughs> oh, you've got a notebook. No, you know what? Someone's going to write something in one of those notebooks, though. That's going to yeah. be important to them. It'll be no. me. Um. <laughs> I've had I'm a few friends. One. Yeah, I might get one. I mean, I don't know about getting it to London. Maybe someone to rob, but like, I think one thing a few people have said when they listen to the podcast, they go, oh, I feel like I should have done more or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I actually said in one of the podcasts, like, that's not the point of it. The mm -hmm. point isn't for you to feel like you should do more. The point is for you to do what you need to do and make the impact you can make. And so if your impact is saying hi to a neighbor that maybe has no contact with anyone else, but they're, they know they're going to see you and you're going to wave to them and that does it, then that's your impact. So that's huge. Mm. So that's everything to that person. Or if your impact's your Oprah and you're giving cars to everybody. Mm -hmm. But we all have our impact we make, and I think that's what I want people to know. And you guys have your impact. I mean, if someone's going to listen to your podcast and be, like, stoked about it, and that's, you know, or you do a performance and they think it's funny and they're happy, I mean, that's, we all of us just do what we can you know yeah. yeah i think yeah it's definitely the hope and i think that it's also something where you know we talk about like having any impact you know being the value and even if it's just for yourself like again talking about like this show and like the other district comedy shows there's an element of it where even if nobody watches at least the people in the room i feel like are having a good time or getting something out of it or having a creative outlet or some kind of escape from their daily life um but there is like a little bit of i don't want to say expectation but sometimes people do kind of like get the idea that if they're not getting these huge numbers with like engagement or viewers or something um or making money, or making money <laughs> that <laughs> you know they're uh, that that you know good or valuable or whatever and i totally agree with you that that's just not the case and like whether or not you know your show or your product or your whatever is getting a lot of eyes on it or getting you know recognition over like a wide spectrum is not indicative or a measure of its value or its quality mm -hmm. yeah i agree completely I don't know. That's what I gleaned from what you said. I think yeah. we're overall on the same page. Yeah, I think so. No, I 100%. Yay, awesome. Uh, I can't wait to uh, schedule my interview on your podcast. Next up. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, but um, this is the last question. Uh, we okay. Like the first question, uh, we ask all of our uh, guests this one. But... What's up next for you? And this is both stuff that's coming up that we can check out or stuff that you want to plug. But we're also interested in, you know, like in your dream of dreams, uh, mm -hmm. where would you go like long term goals wise with the whole comedy stuff? Yeah, sure. So um, 
I mean, I have a gig tomorrow, like around this time. So I, I'm glad I'm doing okay this time of day. Um, <laughs> on like sketchy women, it's a show I was looking forward to. But I think I'm just gonna look forward to getting some gig, some gigs like live when they happen. And eventually, I'll move back home and you know just want to make sure I keep doing it. Um, I I do want to write a show, and I haven't said I'm saying it now. I don't think I've even really said it to anyone, but yeah, I want to write a show. Um, about just some of my experiences and even some of the stuff we've been talking about and I'd like to go to Edinburgh. I mean, that's, that's what mm. I'd really like to do. Yeah. So it's like this thing, especially while I'm living over here. Um, so that's like a goal within the next two years. And you're referring to the Fringe Festival, correct? Yeah, the Fringe mm -hmm. Festival. Yeah. I have a friend who did a play there before and I'd, I'd really like to do something there, but also I, yeah, I just want to like, I don't know, do something with it, you know? Um, maybe go the route of like corporate or college or events or something like that. But yeah, I want to keep going with comedy, even if it's just for me, ultimately keep writing. I'm in a writing group right now. That's pretty cool. And I just want to start being more open to that. I was always like, not always. I mean, I haven't been doing comedy forever, but just in my career, even I've always been very like, Oh, I'm the only, like I can do it myself. And I've learned over time. That's not true. And so I just want to keep, yeah, collaborating, working with people, and meeting people like you guys, and yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. I really loved meeting you. Uh, yeah, cool, cool. I love meeting you guys too. It's fun. I feel like I just got like a personal TED talk, which uh, I was not <laughs> expecting, you. but like I'll take it. That's uh, that's fucking awesome, man. Um, but unfortunately, uh, that is all the time that we have for tonight. I want to thank you so much for being an incredible guest on the show, for hanging out with us. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rabia Comedy. It's on the background uh, for spelling stuff, uh, so you can check that out. Um, I, I know I said it wrong again. And the at... Oh, you didn't. Oh! You said it right that time. Yeah, but anyway... So there, you can check her out, as well as the app More Than Work Pod. Check that out. It sounds awesome. I'm going to probably go download a couple episodes now. Um, thank you, Roz, for being a great co-host, as always. And a big thank you to our audience, Rob, uh, for, <laughs> for watching the program. If you enjoyed the stream, please consider making a donation or following us on social media. You can find the links to those in our episode description. Um, tune in next week as we interview TB&J regular Ed Smith. Um... And yeah, that's it.